This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. You're on Radley Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Uh, remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Email me inbox at radleycheck.radio. And please do. Um, it's how we build the community. And it's sort of, I love it. Negative comments included now because I'm getting stronger with my broadcasting. And I've learned a lot from the critical comments. So here's the thing that we're going to be talking about. CB radio. I thought that was sort of ham radio and that when I was a kid I always wanted a ham radio and then that sort of become an odd hobby because we had the internet and telephones and you could ring people and zoom them but there's another side to CB radio and it's going to be explained to us by Link Good morning Link Good morning Tell me what's CB radio? Well, CB stands for Citizens Band. So the original CB radio was at 27 megahertz, which is 27 million cycles per second. And that is not very often used in this country anymore because there's a new kind of what's called CB radio, but that's actually a misnomer. Its official name is PRS, or Personal Radio Service. And that's available for anyone to use without a license, just like the old CB band was and still is available for anyone to use without a license. Now, the new one that people call CB, which is actually PRS, Personal Radio Service, that's at 477 megahertz. So it's a much higher frequency, but it's still not very high as far as frequencies go. And... That's also a different way of modulating the voice onto the radio waves. So the two are not compatible, but both of them are still available for the public to use. And it what must I'm have been it must have been quite an enlightened thing or forward thinking thing that when they were carving whoever yeah. the government of the day were carving up the spectrum, that they made a citizens band. Yeah. I'm not quite sure who lobbied for that or how it came about, but it is a good thing, and both of those are still available, so it's quite exciting. And that is separate from the ham radio frequencies, which oh. licensed ham radio people can use all sorts of other frequencies. So a ham radio is using other frequencies, and for that you need a license? Yes. And do ham radios reach further? Yes, they can. Hmm. So tell us, are these two citizens' bands that are available, one's called CB, True CB, yeah. and one's called PRS, are they equivalent in terms of practicality, or is one better? Well, they have completely different applications. So the old CB is in what's called the HF, or the high-frequency spectrum, and it can actually go significant distances. The new... PRS radios in the UHF or ultra-high frequency spectrum, and it's just a small part of the UHF spectrum, they don't go as far, but they are clearer, more versatile, more compact, easier to use, and they're the most common. And, and that, so when I buy I those little... That I when, sorry, when I buy those little... about a year ago. 
Sorry, we're just getting cross purposes. I do apologize. So those little walkie-talkies that you buy from Dick Smith, they're yep. on the is it they're on the PRS. Yes, they are. Okay. Okay. And those little walkie-talkies, I've got some for the kids. And I mean they're good for maybe 200 meters. That's about it, right? Well, the little ones are, yeah, but you can get bigger ones that are good for longer distances. Okay. So tell me about the CB radio and its and its application and how you see it working. So I had a vision a year ago that we could create an independent nationwide network using these channels that are freely available to the public. So the application for CB, the old true CB, is for doing the long-range links. And that can be done because there's a new type of CB radio now that has something called single sideband. And because of that, we can get much longer distances. And then the short-range communications in each region will be done by PRS radios, which have more channels available and are more versatile. And with those radios, you won't be talking to someone on the other side of the country. You'll be talking to people in your own area, which is what most of your primary communications need to be. You don't want to be getting interfered with by people on the other side of the country making your channel busy with communications. Hmm. And the purpose for this hookup? Well, I have seen in my career as an industrial electrician a number of instances where things have gone off line. In 2006, there was a snowstorm came through Canterbury. And I personally witnessed behind Chertsey 11 kilometres of power lines that were dropped like dominoes because of the snow loading at one end. And it took over a month for them to reinstate power to that region of Canterbury. In the same event, vast areas of Christchurch City were without power for around two weeks. And everyone who had done the right thing for the Clean Air Initiative by putting in heat pumps instead of log burners couldn't keep warm. In addition to that, the cell phone towers kept going down because they couldn't keep enough generators to them to keep the power on to the cell phone towers. And some of the generators and fuel were being stolen. So these issues happen. And then, of course, there was the Christchurch earthquakes and there was mass disruption to communications then. And then there was the Kaikoura earthquakes. And more recently in the North Island, there's been flooding in the Hawke's Bay. And people there know very well about lack of communications. And I was speaking to Paul in my local ham radio group, and he said that the HF radio, now that's the same spectrum that the CB is in, HF radio was the only thing that could communicate into the Hawke's Bay from the Blenheim Emergency Operations Centre. And the civil defence does not support HF anymore. They've invested all of their equipment in VHF and UHF. And the only reason there are HF radios in the emergency operations centre is because of the ham radio group. They've got a couple of radios there. My goodness. So things do go off. And when we lose communications, radio is the only thing that doesn't require a third party. 
This is the problem. Everything we're used to, cell phones and radios that use repeaters, those sorts of things, the, the ones civil defence use, VHF and UHF require repeaters. Those things are all subject to being taken offline. Satellite phones use satellites and they can all fail because they're relying on a third party, someone or something, to provide you a service. What I'm advocating for is point-to-point -point radios in a nationwide network so that when things get cut off, we still have an option. And in an emergency scenario, that could be life and death. Yes. There's a friend of mine that went to the Hawke's Bay, and he said that he went up some remote valleys looking for people, and he found people that were in very dire situations, and they were so grateful that he had handheld radio to call out to other people and his team up there and get help, because without it, those people might not have survived. And do you... So the idea is you have a, a CB radio link through New Zealand. Yes. Then you have handheld radios that go to the nearest CB person. Yes. Who can that's then talk, talk to anyone in the country. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, so you have so, the handheld ERS that does your short-range communication. And then at least one person in your area will have a longer range CB to talk to other areas around the country. And those handheld ones, Link, how far would they reach? It varies. It's such a piece of string question. I can't give definite numbers, but I can tell you from my experience that they can do as, as little as a few kilometres out to 100 kilometres, depending on circumstances, and antennas. Antennas okay. are key to getting range. Okay, so you could actually carry a portable antenna with you? Yes, you can. And I've developed a package through a, a local seller of radio equipment in Christchurch called Techoman. And the package I've developed gives you a handheld radio and all the antennas to go with it to maximise your range. It makes it very easy for people who don't understand radios to get the equipment that they need because they just have to buy the package and it will come with everything they need. And that system that they have, for you take my situation, yeah. I could have that system and I could have my kids with a little handheld radio and we could talk at least some distance. Yes. And I could do that. Obviously, people could listen in, but I could say, where are you? Is everything okay? Yeah. And then I'd right. also also have the ability in an emergency situation to reach the outside world. Yeah, exactly. That's the idea, through a network of communications. And the little ones that you talked about available from JCAR or Dick Smith, they're generally about half a watt output. But you can buy radios, the one I'm advocating for from Techoman, is five watts output. That's the maximum output that the public is allowed to use and then ham radio people can use greater wattages. But 5 watts can get you quite a decent way with the right antennas. And there's one that comes in the kit that is designed to mount on your house roof, and that can get you significant range. We've exceeded 100 kilometres in one area with those antennas. My goodness. And what about an antenna in your car? Yes, there's another one in the kit which magnetically sticks to the roof of your car. The advantage of that is that 
If you drown your car in a river crossing or for some reason it fails, you can just stick your antenna onto the roof of another car, magnetically sticks onto it, and plug it into your handheld radio. So your handheld radio is now becoming a car radio, just like your handheld radio at home, connected to the roof antenna, becomes a base station radio. And when you're walking around, you can still use it as a handheld. And there's a long whip antenna, which gives it higher gain as a handheld, so that improves its range while you're carrying it around too. One of the shocking things that occurs in an emergency is not knowing what is happening. Mm. And this would alleviate that, wouldn't it? Yes, that's the idea, because when people get cut off, they worry. I know about this when the Kaiakura earthquake happened, and the cell phone network was still there, but I couldn't get access to it because I wasn't an important customer. It was just too busy and overloaded. And I know they prioritise their customers when the network's overloaded. And so I couldn't tell if people were all right, and I know that there were lots of people that were very worried about their family, their friends, and people they knew. And with radio communications, we can get messages through an alternative channel. When um, I was a minister when the Christchurch earthquakes hit, and we were all in Wellington, all the ministers, and a cabinet meeting was quickly called, and like we met, you know, twice a day. And That's it was interesting. Pretty intense. Tell me more. And we were sitting in there with the emergency systems in place in the bottom of the beehive, but literally ringing people we knew in Christchurch on cell phones, seeing if we could get through to find out what was happening. We struggled with communication to Christchurch. That is, you know, the New Zealand government. Yeah. And um, it shocked me because you think, you know, civil defence and all that, it would all just be pretty flawless. Um, But it's very hard to discover what is happening on the ground when there's an emergency and cell phone towers are knocked out or overloaded because everyone's ringing everyone up. Um, And, of course, I'm living in Otago now, and we often have the power go. And I am shocked how helpless you are and how much we now take electricity for granted yeah, and you know, I, I, um, the power would go, and it's oh, I, I, I can't do, I, I, I can't um, work on my, um, I can't work on my PC. Oh well, I'll go and make a cup of tea. Oh, I can make a cup of tea. Oh, I'll turn on the TV and find out what's happening. Oh no, TV's out. Um, I wonder what's causing this. Um, oh. I'll go online. Oh, no, I can't go online. Uh, oh, I haven't got a handheld radio. Um, all these things. Oh, the cell phone's not working. Um, and, you and you know, that's only for a few hours. Yep. 
And if you're apart from your family, the panic would be huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're, so what is the expense of this link? So the kit I've developed is just under $300. And for Voices for Freedom members, because we're a big organisation, we get another 10% discount. So it's very cost effective. It's the most bang for your buck I can find in radio equipment. It's a very good deal. And, and tell me, one of these, no. one of these kits is, gets you connected to the greater network. Now, the long-range CBs are more expensive, but not everyone has to have that. Yes, because what you're saying is that's for someone um, that's for for someone that's connecting to the outside world. Yes, with your kit, your your several kilometres. Yeah. So it can vary depending on circumstances. You could be 50, 60, 70 kilometres range, or you could be only a few kilometres in adverse terrain. And much of New Zealand has hills in the way, so we do have some challenges around New Zealand. Mm. In my situation, I can frequently get out 30, 40 kilometres and talk to people no trouble. Now, would they need a similar powered radio and antenna for them to talk back to you? Yes, they do. So they couldn't, I couldn't have my kids with a little half kilowatt one and be chatting to them 10 k's away. Well, you mean half a watt, yeah. Yes. Because half a kilowatt is very different. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. sorry, half a half watt. Half watt radio won't talk very far. But in line of sight, a half watt radio can still do about a kilometre. Okay. In fact, in perfect circumstances, it can probably push out to about three kilometres from a hilltop to a hilltop with those little half-watt ones. Mm. But that's assuming no trees in the way, that sort of thing. And, of course, if you're in trouble, uh, you can climb and yes, increase your range. Um, yeah. That's actually a very good deal. And if you were in a anywhere, in a city, in a town, in a rural situation that could be an absolute lifesaver and certainly give you some peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. So you, if let's imagine this. Um, I'm sitting here in Otago. I'm on the Queenstown side of the Nevis Bluff. Um, yeah. I can imagine a big earthquake hitting here because they're top of mind because of Christchurch and Kaikoura. And yeah. I can imagine... The road through the Nevis blocked. The road yeah. over to Wanaka blocked. Mm -hmm. And at that point, unless you're prepared to do a hair-raising four-wheel drive trip, you're blocked in. Yeah. I can imagine at the same time the power going out because of the earthquake and cell phone, cell phone towers down. Yep. So it's at that quite point, a realistic possibility. At that point, you have no communication. Yeah. You know there's been an earthquake. You don't know if you've got the tail end of it and the rest of New Zealand's gone or whether you were the epicenter. Yeah. You don't know whether you can get out in your truck 
or whether you should stay put. Hmm. Quite a pickle without information, isn't it? You could have a transistor radio. Yep. Um, by the way, the funny thing I heard about that was friends of mine have had transistor radios in emergencies and didn't know to tune them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they've just got a transistor radio surrounded in their kit and when there's an emergency, turned it on and like got static. Yeah. Because they haven't got the frequency. They've got, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know what a frequency, whether you try and get 3YA or 3ZB, I wouldn't even know what they're called these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you could hop on your CB radio, and the critical thing then is you've got a voice out. Yeah, exactly. So and for $300, radio. for $300, you can um, have peace of mind that you can call for help. Yes, in your area. Yes. Now tell me, how do you power them? So they run on a battery similar to a cell phone, and the battery that comes with them will last generally as long as your cell phone lasts on its battery. So if you're talking on it all the time, you can have it flat before the day's out. But if you're just listening and there's not much traffic on the network, not much communications on the network, then it'll probably last a couple of days. So to and charge these batteries, you yeah. normally would charge them off a mains supply. However, this radio kit comes with a USB plug to charge it and then an adapter to give USB power from the mains. So that gives you lots and lots of options when there isn't power because USB outlets are everywhere. So initially, you can run it from anything that has a USB outlet, like your laptop or your car has USB outlets. But that's essentially going to run out long-term because they rely on the battery in the laptop, which is charged from the mains, or the battery in the car, which is charged from the alternator on the motor run by fuel. and when things go wrong, fuel will run out. So longer term, you can use a folding solar panel and a battery bank to charge the battery bank from the sun during the day because you don't want to be tied to a solar panel charging your radio during your precious daylight hours. When things have gone wrong, you want to be out and about with your radio doing what you need to do. So the battery bank charges during the day from the solar panel. And then your radio charges from the battery bank at night time while you're asleep. And is that feasible? Yes, it is. I've arranged for some solar panels and battery banks to be imported for a reasonable number of people who have decided to collaborate on this. And we've got 30-watt folding solar panels and 20-ampere battery banks, and that's sufficient to charge your radio. Uh What's the size of the solar panel? The solar panel physically is about a foot wide and three feet long unfolded. It has four solar sections, but it folds up into a compact package about a foot by about just under 200 millimetres wide and about 45 millimetres thick. So you so, orientate that to the sun. Yep. And and it's portable. So you orientate to that to the sun. 
then you have it plugged into a battery, which the solar panel charges during the day. Yep. Then at night, you can charge your radio. Yeah, from the battery bank. And, the and you could do is, that. You could do that for weeks and weeks and weeks. Yes, indefinitely. And the battery bank is big enough that it can get a good number of charges into your radio. Probably at least ten charges into your radio from the capacity of that battery bank. So rainy day is not going to knock you. No, but the other thing is, being a thirty watt solar panel, even on a cloudy day, that's going to produce around about three watts. Solar panels produce about one-tenth of their rated power when there's cloud and they don't have direct sun. So three watts all day will probably be enough to charge that battery bank enough for the amount that will go back into the radio that night. So with a a genuine 30-watt solar panel, not like the ones on Trade Me that are called 30-watt and they're actually not, but a genuine 30-watt output solar panel will still produce enough on a cloudy day to be able to keep your radio going. And when you, this is, I, I know nothing of this thing, I'm sorry. Yeah. When you say a cloudy day, could it be raining? Yes. My goodness. And again, is that, is that available to me to purchase? Well, I couldn't find this decent quality one in New Zealand available. It's marketed by an American company called Nightcore and it's manufactured in China, of course. So I have personally arranged to import a, a bulk number of them for people that I know that we've all collaborated together, put our money into a pool fund, and we're importing a bulk number of them. So that's quite handy. There are other ones available in New Zealand. You can get folding solar panels from JCAR, but um, this one that I've imported is very compact for its wattage output. And it's dedicated to USB devices. It's only got USB outlet. So that'll do your radio and it'll do your cell phone if that will work, if there is a network, and anything else that can charge off USB. I found the Nightcore store while you were talking. Um, So I'm looking at the FSP100. That's got six panels, eight panels. Yeah, the FSP30 is the one that I'm importing. FSP30. I'd have to have a proper hunt. Um, how interesting. And that would... Um, super deals. Oh, well, that's why I did know the company. I got the Nightcore torches, which I swear oh. by. Yeah. Um, their, their torches are very good quality, I have to say. Um, yeah. Um, go to heck. I didn't know all this. I do apologize. Oh, here's the F- FSP30. It's priced here at 119 US. Yep. Does that sound right? Yep, that sounds right. But you'd have to buy the battery as well. Yes, you have to buy the battery as well. But then you set up. Um, and if you were camping, that your phone's charged. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, so we've got this system. So, have you or how long have you been involved with CB radio? Well, 
on and off, I've been involved with radio most of my life. I had little walkie-talkies as a kid. Mm. But I spent most of my life as an industrial electrician, which you wouldn't think was involved with radio. However, while I was doing that job, we daily would use what's called RT units, which stands for radio telephone units. There was one in every vehicle, every work ute, and we were using those to communicate in the company. We had a commercial licensed channel, and they would often reach well beyond the scope of cell phone coverage. And we were using those before cell phones were a common thing. In fact, when I started in that company, we didn't have cell phones. We just used the RTs. And so that was one part of my job. Another part of my job, because I worked as an industrial electrician, a lot of what I did was pumping, be it irrigation pumps, town water supplies, sewerage stations, things like that. And a part of that was that most of those sites were remotely controlled and remotely monitored by what's called telemetry, which is data over radio communications. So that was a part of my job. And I had dealings with that on a regular basis. So I also, as part of my job, would use the handheld PRS radios for communicating with other tradesmen when we were commissioning or setting up irrigation systems because we would have three, four or five pumps around the farm and they all had to start and stop automatically. And sometimes that would be done with wires in the ground. Other times it would be done with radio communications, telemetry. And we would commission those using PRS radios to talk to each other across the farm and make sure that they were doing what they needed to when they needed to. So I've had quite a lot of experience with using radios. But until this year, I had no qualifications in radio. And it's an interesting little story that I've told in my talks because my neighbour earlier this year was studying for his amateur radio licence. It's known colloquially as ham radio. And I didn't really know this, but he came over and wanted to ask me some questions because he knew I knew, knew stuff about electrical. So I answered his questions and he was surprised and said, oh, you know, you'd probably pass the test. Why don't you come to my place and do a practice exam? So I went over in the evening and did a practice exam at his place and passed that. And he said, well, I'm sitting the test tomorrow. Do you want to come along? <laughs> so I did. And I passed my ham radio certificate. Oh, how funny. Without yeah. any study. Yeah. So I know a bit from working with radios over my life. That's really the experience I've had. I've dealt with them most of my life in one way or another. But and, recently I've dealt with them a lot more intensively. And And dealing with them... And intensely in getting into this, this is a, a consequence of recent events in New Zealand. Yeah. Tell me. Well, there's been all sorts of happened that has made a lot of people alarmed with things being cut off through events that have happened, but also with the way the government's been behaving with overreach. People are quite alarmed and they there's a number of people don't trust the government anymore. Well, put me down as a big tick. Yeah. And they want to know that they have an independent thing that can't be cut off by a third-party provider. Because a lot of these agencies that provide these services now are becoming big corporates, and we don't really know who controls them sometimes. 
Well, I... And there seems to be more and more bureaucracy involved. So people are getting concerned. I can see this because I had the experience of watching Posey Parker come to New Zealand, Kelly mm. J. Keane. And all she wanted to do was literally let women speak. Yeah. And she came under attack. And I can't remember the numbers, but there were a significant number of police present who did nothing. Yeah. And what I found extraordinary was the politicians in our media whipped that fury up, calling her basically Nazi adjacent, and mm. legitimized the violence against her because, of course, it's okay to, you you know, if you had the chance to assassinate Hitler, you would. Mm. And that was the way it was painted. So all that, to me, was horrific. But then I was shocked that Spark came out basically saying they, what was it, they were had the rainbow tick and if anyone was going to, they were against anyone questioning gender ideology, which is me, yeah. right? Because I think it's an insanity. And, that, um, and then I thought, well, I'm not going to go with Spark. <laughs> and then I started looking around and they, all the telecommunication companies had done this. Mm. And then I thought to myself, could, could, are they, I mean, I just thought that a telecommunication company was there to provide a service so that I can communicate with people and I'll pay them for the service. I couldn't imagine them taking a political stance against me yeah, as a customer and by implication saying, we don't want you texting, tweeting, emailing, talking what they would call hate speech, which I would call yeah. common sense. So I felt vulnerable in my communications. Yeah, exactly. And by the I'm way, sure I, I never believed that Twitter and YouTube and Google and that were being censored. I, people were telling me this, and I thought that no one would agree to that. And then you discover through the Twitter files that's exactly what was happening. Mm. Yep. So you, you feel if this is the start, you can imagine – um, having, like, if they're prepared to eliminate Facebook pages because they're going against the government narrative, they're prepared to stop me communicating with you. Yeah. And this is a, a hypothesis for you. Yes. If they managed to bring in central bank digital currencies, for example, yes. then if you are bound to that or stepping outside of that system, 
then if you choose not to subscribe to central bank digital currencies, then you will be unable to pay for your internet connection, your Spark subscription, or anything else, your power. You'll then be denied all of these services. So how do you communicate? Hmm. Have they? Has the government, and when we say they, I think we are talking about government, bureaucrats, um, agents, uh, who are listening to world authorities like the UN, the WHO, um, the World Economic Forum, all the good and the worthy, with billionaires on board, sloshing their money around the media. We have seen how quickly the media have sold their souls and no longer report with even a pretense of objectivity or report the other side that they are activists and they're reporting. So that, to me, is who the they are. And yeah. um, they have no regard for the citizenry, you and I, and that we are having in our mind's eye that if we thought the control that occurred where we were locked up over COVID, denied entry to our businesses, and then mandated out of social life with two classes of citizen, how easy that was to achieve, that could be just a foretaste. Yeah, it could. And, you know, I find it very interesting what happened with the Public Interest Journalism Fund. Yes. I watched it with interest and learned a bit about what's happened there. The covenant that they, the, the contract that they have to sign, I hear that that involves clauses where they have to push certain narratives, Correct. which is quite alarming. And it brings to mind a saying that I heard some time ago that modern slaves are not in chains, they're in debt. Uh. And this is so true with the media agencies. They can't now pull out of that public interest journalism fund contract, even though the fund has finished. If they then go against the narrative that that contract requires, they have to pay that money back, which will make them bankrupt. That's right. That's that's absolutely right. I was shocked by all of that um, when it was explained to me. I was so shocked I actually read the contract because I couldn't believe it. Mm. Um. And as you say, if they don't if they don't promote the treaty partnership, they're in breach of their contract. Yeah. I also feel we're getting off the CB radio thing, but it actually relates to the significance of it. Mm. I also feel that fund will continue in some form under Mr. Luxon as Prime Minister. I wouldn't be surprised, but, you know, I relate this to the same thing that we see happening. We see the same signs with the big corporates, like the agencies you talk about before, the telcos and so on, pushing the transgender thing yes. and pushing all of these narratives. Why would they do that when all they're there for is to provide a service for communicating? Why would they then get politically involved and start dictating what you can or can't communicate through their network? There has got to be some degree of blackmail, some degree of being a slave because they're in debt to somebody over them. Correct. 
and that is potentially institutional investment houses. Yeah. Who will say, we will invest in your company, but you have to meet these obligations because we're ethical investors, mm. which is to say politically activist uh, investors. Yeah. Um, is the CB radio able to be taken down or blocked? Yes, anything can be interfered with and blocked. However, I've often had that question at the presentations I've done around the country. And what I believe is that while they will be able to interfere with communications in a given area, they won't be able to shut us all down. There's too many of us. And if we all have a radio and build a nationwide radio network, I doubt they would be able to shut us all down. If they went as far as letting off EMPs, which stands for electromagnetic pulse, that's a weapon developed by the militaries many years ago, that's designed to destroy all electronic devices in a given area within range of where the EMP is let off. If they reverted to that, then they could damage radios in given areas that are not protected by Faraday cages. Yeah. They would also damage any of their own gear that's not protected by Faraday cages. But they wouldn't be able to shut us all down because there would be other people around the country who are far enough away that their radios still work. And there will be people who have spare radios in Faraday cages. So that when one radio gets damaged, they can pull another one out and carry on. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. It's, it's that movie, Enemy of the State, do you recall it? No, I don't think I've seen that. Oh, oh my goodness. You got to watch it. Um, oh, the name rings bells, but I don't think I've seen it. I've seen the likes of Terminator and The Matrix and other right. ones, but I don't think I've seen Enemy of the State. I'll put that on my watch list. Well, what's extraordinary about it, it was Will Smith, who's recently become infamous for other reasons. I've mm. just Googled it for us, and it was, I'm going to tell you the year. Oh, I got the wrong thing. Let me go back. I've got something else. Uh, film. 1998, and the idea was that I, Will Smith saw a politician kill someone, and he became the enemy of the state because it was some plot that he had accidentally uncovered. Right. And he goes on the run. But the government, these wild agents from within the government, are able to destroy his life by um, taking his money out of his bank account, planting stories, accessing everything, following him, and he's on the run. Mm. And he ends up with uh, going to an ex-operative, and he's sitting in a Faraday cage. <laughs> and it was like this dystopian picture of the surveillance state 25 years ago. Yeah. And I'd just become a new MP and watched this. And people who were into this stuff said, you know that all that can be done as of now. That's and, true. You know, 
they were following him as on the cell phone. He was being tracked, you know, and he was finding out that they'd planted bugs everywhere. And um, he, I guess the point of it was that what you reminded me of was it was the first time I learned of what a Faraday cage was. Yeah. Because so there's an agency in America. Had, yes called DARPA, which stands for Defence Advanced Research Projects Agency. And they develop military tech, frontline, leading-edge military technology. And generally speaking, and I've heard this from a number of sources, anything they tell us about is at least 10 years old and stuff that is not of concern to them considered old technology. Yes. Now, I've watched a number of YouTube videos on what DARPA can produce, and it's pretty mind-blowing. So what have they developed since then that they don't tell us about? I think what the public think is capable or is possible is only a drop in the bucket of what they can do. So we don't know what they can do, but what I am quite conscious of is that radio communications haven't been locked down. We can still use the CB band and the PRS band, which gives you two theories. Either they can shut it down at a moment's notice, and we don't know about that, or they don't really see that of, of big consequence because nobody's really using it. And I think that's probably likely to be the case. And if mm. we set up a wide network, we might then find out if we're over the target or not, if exactly. we become a threat. Tell me, um, presumably when you're talking on a CB radio, yeah. anyone can listen in. Yes, they can. It's public. Yes. Um, and you just have to be mindful of that. That's true, but did you know that anyone can listen into your cell phone? The GCSB has capability to listen to any cell phone call if they so desire. I've spoken to three different people over the years who have worked at the Waihopo spy base, and they can't tell me details, but they can tell me that there is an algorithm that monitors all communications that they can intercept, which includes cell phones, and that picks up keywords. If there are enough keywords that alert the algorithm, it is marked for a person to have a look at. And that person then evaluates whether it's of national security threat. I'm so, sure that's true. I don't know that um, yeah. for, for a fact, but I can't imagine a government allowing encrypted technology in where they didn't require the algorithm to break it. Yeah. Because... Um, Not, it, I don't it, know it for a fact either, but that's what I've heard, and I believe yeah. it to be. And, and you would be contradicting your own national security interest if you think in that way. Mm. They'd say, um, oh, my goodness, you know, yes, you could bring in your encrypted cell phones, and that'll stop your neighbour listening into your um, private chats. But to fight terrorism and uh, foreign threats, uh, the government needs the ability in certain circumstances to be able to uh, authorise a wiretap. 
mm. uh, which would be to break the algorithm. I'm, I, I, I could, I would be shocked if they couldn't. Mm. If you know what I mean, yeah. um, well, I'd, be, I'd, I'd actually be asking what they think they were doing. Um, yeah. Um, um, so yes, uh, but when you're talking on a um, on a CB radio, your neighbour could be listening in, right? Yes, exactly. So you just talk like you're in public. Yes. Yeah. You I read an article a few years ago, interestingly, just on the GCSB, in the local paper in Marlborough here, I read an article a few years ago that said that any vehicle that had been produced since two years before that date, which I can't remember the exact date, but it would be a few years ago now, any vehicle that had been produced within the last two years had GPS tracking, whether it was overt or covert, it still had it, and remote shutdown capability so that the GCSB or the police with authorization could shut down your vehicle. Mm -hmm. I found that fascinating. Uh Yes, and terrifying. So hmm. um, the US have a date. Tom Massey, Senator Tom Massey revealed this. They have a date when all car manufacturers are to have a kill switch. Yeah. And uh, the police, uh, all these things have a sort of logic um, yeah. if you believe in the goodwill of government. If you hmm. believe that government can use its power uh, ill-advisedly or with ill will, um, it's terrifying, and I'm in the latter camp. So yeah. that you can say, oh, well, they've got the ability because if there's someone escaping or they're drunk, uh, we can just push a switch and kill that car. Um, mm. Now, that to me is terrifying because they could immobilise all the cars in the South Island, presumably. Yeah, all the modern ones. Yeah. And um, I had an old banger that I kept and kept and kept, and I just, for, for that reason, but I just mm -hmm. sold it because it was, you know, a collector's item, and I felt I wasn't looking after it. But I noticed yeah. with my truck that I bought that's sort of three years old, the thing can end up driving you nuts because I hook up, you know, to the battery to charge, and then it's all carefully electronically monitoring everything, and it just shuts the battery off because it says you've yeah. had enough. And yeah. um, I'm charging my phone or something, and I have to start the engine. And you think, nah, it's got plenty. I'd jump start it if I need to or whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shock. Um, so these cars aren't necessarily reliable in an emergency no. situation. Well, it's interesting because a friend of mine in my local area told me about someone he knew that had a Volkswagen Touareg. And it was just out of warranty, and he went to replace the battery because it was getting tired. So he went to Repco, got another battery, put it in, and the thing wouldn't start. So he rang up the Volkswagen agent, and they said, oh, we'll send a truck out and bring it into the yard. So they brought it into the yard, and they gave him a call back and, and said, oh, I'm sorry, sir, but the five computers in your car have lost their programming, and we're going to have to fly in a technician in from overseas to reprogram the five computers. And the airfares are going to cost two and a half thousand dollars plus his time to to reprogram it. You must have changed the battery or something. And he said, "Well, yes, I did, but I didn't think that that would be a problem." And it turns out that it has a C bus system with volatile programming in the computers. So if it loses power, they all lose their programming. To me, that's backwards technology. 
Yes. But um, it means that you can't DIY your car. Yeah. And um, again, there's good reasons for that and there's bad reasons for that. And we tend to fear the worst. Mm. Um, and well, that's when you start to feel extremely vulnerable. Yeah, that's right. A lot of these things we see implemented are advertised for our safety. Yes. And yes, they can be for our safety, but inadvertently they can be for our control as too, as well. Yes. As our safety. Yes. Um, and you know, the old saying is that tyranny preaches tolerance until it has control. And yes. that's what alarms me. Yes. No, I, I concur heartily. And I mean, we were, make it personal, mm. I was put under house arrest. Wow. No, in COVID. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Just, yeah. Um, and allowed an hour out or some stupid thing yeah. to go to the supermarket and go for a walk for my health. Yeah. And for the health of those around me. And no one batted an eye. Funnily enough, when that happened, I knew it was illegal and or unlawful would be a better word of phrasing it because I'd been an MP and for some reason as an MP, you get to understand the architecture of legislation. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm not a lawyer, but I knew that you couldn't under the health Act. I knew it would be impossible to lock everyone up. So I ended up sitting at home reading it. And what they clearly can do, or under the old Act, was lock you up for quarantine purposes. And the envisaged um, purpose since time immemorial was a ship comes in carrying a nasty disease like the plague. Yeah. And... Um, the health authorities can condemn that ship and not let you set foot off it. And mm. that makes sense, right? Yeah. No one envisaged ever locking healthy people up. Yeah. And if you think about it from a normal political government point of view, it would be such a big deal that you can't imagine slipping that into legislation. And mm. so when they did the um, lockdowns, they were they had to rush through emergency legislation subsequent to the lockdown because they didn't have the authority to do it. Of course, now they've got the power, and each time these things happen, they get more power. And those of us who were warning against this um, power and how it could be misused just get shouted down by the fear that gets created. Yeah. Um, yep. And again, that's why um, you sort of want an old banger sitting in the corner of your section that doesn't have one piece of electronics in it. Yeah. Well, I have only old cars, and that's partly because I can't afford a fancy modern car. I live on a very low income. But it's also because I believe that the older cars will keep going when modern cars have all these electronic issues. That's I've right. got an old Range Rover here, for example, that I bought for the engine out of it. 
there was nothing physically wrong with it. It was written off from electrical faults. Yeah, and and of course you're good at that. Hmm. Plus the other thing about an old car, I had a 1991 Mercedes, and I could do everything on it. So yeah. when it conked out, I could fix it, you know, yeah. and because I'd spent a lot of time under the bonnet, I knew what to do. I've now got a modern car. Yeah. I wouldn't know. I open the bonnet and don't know what I'm looking at. Hmm. And so like you feel that. totally disempowered. Um, and so what you need, I need like a Mad Max old car with the CB radio attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. There's more um, people going that way. They recognize that this is not necessarily a good path that society's walking down. No. And, and we have experienced earthquakes and floods. Yeah. And um, you want to be in a in a, in a in an ability. So not just it's not just necessarily falling foul of the government. It's that you have this infrastructure that, uh, in the course of a generation, my parents started life without electricity, running yeah. water or sewage. Yeah, and they regarded electricity and water coming down the street in a pipe and uh, a sewage system as a luxury. Yeah. Do you and know if, if you turned it all off? From? Sorry? Do you know where the word electrician came from? No. I got told fairly recently that it was an amalgamation of electricity and magician because ah. people didn't understand it and they thought it was some kind of black magic. Yes, of course, it would appear. I mean, we take it for granted. But if you'd never seen it, you'd be astonished. Yeah. And and we now, a generation on from my parents' time, so my mum and dad got married, I think, in 48, 1948. Yeah. Um, a generation on or two generations on, we regard electricity and telecommunications and cell phones and all the rest of it as essential mm. deprive us of it and we starve yeah but we can't go without a fridge you know my mum and dad never had a fridge yeah they'd have a safe and they'd know how to keep meat and stuff I don't know how I wouldn't know how to do it myself um, and so we've become utterly dependent on this infrastructure, which is yeah. very vulnerable. And it strikes right. me, it strikes me as what's the word creaking. It does. And it's quite interesting the way this has happened because it's, it's an infrastructure that we've become dependent on for getting our old ways. And if you look, for example, at shipping or at airline pilots, they are relying on GPS electronics most of the time. Now, that's very reliable, and it hardly ever fails. But it does sometimes. And when it does, those ship captains need to know the old ways. They need to know how to navigate by the stars and things mm -hmm. like that. 
And naive captains that don't know these old methods, they can get in big trouble when the technology fails them. And this has sometimes happened in modern times. Those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. So, yes, and and you can be an airline pilot, and I'm trying to think there was, I I read an account of this where an airline pilot ended up navigating by the stars. Yeah. Because his systems failed. And um, and as you say, you could be you could be um, driving a cruise ship or a container ship, and end up wanting to navigate like Captain Cook. Mm. Yeah, uh, it, 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 it is. Um, you don't want to end up like a friend of mine who's so far he went through the Christchurch earthquakes and he's so far down protecting himself that sort of. He'll hardly move for his his bags of gear ready for the next earthquake or emergency. Um, And he's almost paralyzed uh, by it. But that said, um, it's well to look at your situation and think, what would I need to get through a few days if everything shut down or a few weeks if everything shut down? Because it could. Yeah. It's a case of keeping everything in moderation, of course, in, in all respects. We should be prepared, but, well, yeah, if you're overly worried and overly prepared, you actually hamstring yourself. Yes, yes. Um, by the way, I spoke to a great prepper on the show, and his name escapes me at the moment, but it was fantastic, and he was very basic, and, yeah. you know, the levels that you needed. Yeah. And um, I'd had a lady on the show, and she lived rurally, and what shocked them was um, they had their own well, but when the earthquake hit, they couldn't access the water. Right. Because it was an electric pump. Yeah. And um, as I understand it, they couldn't even get a bucket down there. And because they had their own well, it never occurred to them to have drinking water stored. Hmm. And then the other thing about this uh, fellow who went through the Kaikoura earthquakes, he said what what got him was he said he had a pretty good preparation at home, but when the earthquake hit, he was in his car yeah. and he couldn't get home and he said he had no food or water and inadequate poor footwear to walk home. Mm. And it's little things like that that you think, oh, yeah, I've got all my gear and I'm at home. And here I am with my kids 10 miles from home. There's been an earthquake uh, and we've got to walk up. It's all mm. sorts of, it's all sort And again, a CB radio in your car would take care of that. It would. And, you know, gear is one thing and that's very important. But there's another aspect too that comes to mind with what you're talking about. My granddad died before I was born, but my mum tells me that he used to tell her, to learn anything she could from anyone willing to teach her because it's no load to carry around with you. Oh, and you know, great. knowledge knowledge is power. If that's you bad. have the knowledge, you can improvise and you can make do with what's around you. There's also a required attitude and a resilience. And so yeah. we know in your grandfather's day, they had a do-it-yourself attitude and they were extremely resilient. They're not going to burst into tears if they miss their cappuccino. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and you sort of feel nowadays that, you know, we die if I didn't get my cappuccino um, yeah. or we don't have that resilience where um, I'm 10 k's from home, I'm going to have to walk it. Um, um, whereas they'd walk 10 k's to a dance. Yeah. Yeah, um, they did. Um, so we we there's a whole. I mean, you deprive your kid of their cell phone and they go catatonic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's very interesting. How do we how do we learn and how do we get a hold of these CB radios that you have in this kit? Well, Voices for Freedom have put out in their channels uh, the information that mm -hmm. you need. However, if those that are listening are not involved with Voices for Freedom, you can go to techoman.co.nz, not to be confused with techno-man, it's techoman.co.nz, and on that site, you look for the search icon, you click on that, and you enter T for Trevor, M for Mary, 9001 slash 5M for Mary. Hang on, hang on. I'm on Techoman, Electronics Limited, www.techoman.co.nz. Yeah. I, I'm there. Is this your site? No, it's not. I have nothing to do with this other than that I've approached the owner of that site and arranged for this kit set. Because okay. what I found was I was directing people to what they should buy. But when people don't understand radios like I do, they got lost trying to okay. figure out if they were buying the right stuff. So I've so put I, together this kit set. Got it. I'm in Techo Man now. Now what do I type in the search? In the search, put in T for Trevor, M for Mary, 9001, forward slash. Hang on, five. hang on. 9001. Yeah. Forward, forward slash. I'm trying to find. Oh, yeah, I've got my forward slash. Is that a backslash or a forward slash? Forward slash is uh, to the right at the top and to the left at the bottom of it. Okay, I was doing the backslash. Forward slash, yeah. Forward slash five M for Mary. We're going to have to put this in the link. Yeah. TM9001 slash five M. That will okay. get you to the page of the standard kit. This is something I developed with the owner of Tech Man, oh, probably a month or two ago so that it would make it easy for people to buy the right equipment. Then you don't have to understand about radio equipment and you don't have to understand what's the correct thing to buy. You just have to understand where to go and what code to use and you buy it. I'm in TM9001 backslash 5M. Forward slash 5M, yep. Yeah, forward slash, sorry. And then I can see when I click down from this, there are two products. There's a Bufang UV-81C, is that it? That's the one. And there is a, another one that's a bit dearer, 15 meter, oh, a longer cable. That gives you a longer cable on the antenna roof. I was going to get to that in a minute, but I didn't want to confuse the situation. So there's the slash 5M, that gives you five meters on the rooftop antenna, Yeah. plus one meter of adapter cable, so you actually get six meters total. And that's enough for most houses. Now, if you've got a two-story house and you need your radio to be on the bottom story, then you can buy the kit with the suffix slash 10M. And that will give you 10 metres on the rooftop antenna. However, 
you lose more signal across the extra cable. Okay. How much signal? Around about 1 dB for every 5 metres. So the rooftop antenna has a gain of 5.5 dBi. That stands for decibels radiated power. Now, with the 10-meter cable, that's going to reduce to something within the order of 4.5 dBi. So you'd have to benefit from that extra cable. Otherwise, you try and keep it as short as possible. Okay. So I'm in the kit. It looks very reasonable to me. It's $300, $299. Yeah. I get the kit, the microphone, the antenna, and it looks like a second antenna, is it? Oh, a mobile... Yes. A mobile, that's a mobile antenna, is it? Yeah, that's right. So you get the standard antenna with the handset, which will do 5 to 10 kilometres. You get the long-range whip antenna, which is twice the length, and that'll do 10 to 15 kilometres without any significant obstacles. And then you also get the car roof antenna, which will get you improved range again, and then the house roof antenna, which will get you improved range on top of that again for a number of reasons because so, the house roof antenna is higher to start with, which can gain you better line of sight. So I would get that. I put it on my roof, and I sit there and turn it on, and I push the button and say, hello, hello, is anyone there? Yeah. What do I do? So what you need to do when you get a radio is contact other people in your area that you know of with radios, and if you don't know of anyone else with radios, then what you can do is you can put your radio into scan mode, and that will scan all 80 channels on the PRS network looking for somebody talking. And when it finds somebody, it will stop on that channel, it'll tell you what channel it's on, and it will play what they're saying. It'll put it out the speaker. And if you want to stay on that channel, you can either push the the scan button again to stop it scanning or you can start talking on that channel and when you activate the push to talk button that will stop it scanning and it will stay on that channel Done. and then you can talk to whoever it is and of course in times of emergency anyone with one of these is going to be on it yeah exactly well that's a very reasonable deal link yeah yeah, I thought so. It doesn't get sharper than that. And the advantage is, buying from Techoman, he has made sure that these radios are what's called type approved. He has tested them for spurious emissions and things like that, making sure that they comply with New Zealand broadcasting laws overseen by the radio spectrum management. Um, so you know that you're buying something that is legal to use in New Zealand and that will work on the New Zealand channels. In addition to that, Techoman writes his own instructions for the radio in English. So you're not trying to read Chinglish. <laughs> You've got no idea what that means. <laughs> How many hours late at night have we been putting a kid's story together <laughs> and thinking it can't be this hard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. so it's of great benefit to have English instructions written by a New Zealand radio technician. Well, it looks a very, very cool kit, and yeah. um, I'm going to talk to my wife because I think we should put one in the car and one in the house. Yeah, um, well, when you're buying as a couple, you can add an extra handset. There's a code for that, and you can buy a complete extra handset 
with the charging base, or you can just buy a bare extra handset with the kit for a very reasonable price. Under oh, I see. Yes. And then you've already you got the have, car, your car antenna. Yeah. So you can have one on the car antenna and the other handset on the house roof antenna at home. So when your wife is out in the car doing the shopping, she can talk to you on the other radio connected to the house roof antenna. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Um, and tell you the chores that you're behind on. Say that again? And tell you on the chores that you need to do. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, I have to say, I found this talk quite amazing because I didn't know, I knew what CB radio was, but I didn't quite understand its usages. But yeah. when I started to think about it and the times that we're in, we were conscious of emergencies, but we're also conscious of what can be done to us. Yeah. Um, this is a very important part of any kit. I also yeah. had an appreciated link that you can hook into uh, those who have the power systems and actually get to the outside. You're not confined to line of sight. Exactly. That's the thing, because these short-range radios will connect in your area, but then when we set up groups in every area and we put a key person or two with these longer-range single sideband radios, we can connect up the whole nation in a national network, mm. and that's really exciting. Mm. Very good. Uh, great insight. Uh, you're on uh, Reality Check Radio. It's been Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Oh, my goodness. I have learned such a lot, and I got excited. I have to say there's a wee boy in me that loves playing with things like radios. Um, so any excuse for me to buy a radio um, is a good one. Um, and Link gave me an excellent reason to get a radio. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057. You can email me inbox at rallycheck.radio. Uh, if anyone's got more information about the CB radio or would like to chat about it, please send me a text uh, because I think it's a fascinating topic. Uh, thank you so much for being here today. It's a wrap. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.